Come on, would you lift up your voice to the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody in the building. Would you begin to call on the name of the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just for another minute longer. We thank you, Jesus. We call on your name tonight, Jesus. Have your way in this service. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place tonight. I can feel the anointing. I can feel the spirit of the church tonight, and it, 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 it feels good. It feels right. If you need a miracle in your life, go ahead and raise your hand right now. Anybody. If you need a healing in your body, would you also lift your hand? Anybody that does not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, would you raise your hand? Anybody. It's okay. That's all right. God bless you. I want to start by telling you right now that the, the, uh, today has been quite a day. The attack of the enemy came at about 8 o'clock this morning and has continued throughout the afternoon. So that must mean that surely God has something in store for us tonight. Lee Stone King once, says, once said that he understood that hell knew his name. But in turn, he knew hells. And surely this, this church uh, specifically knows its name tonight. And not only do we know its name, but we know who we are. And we know who we are called by. And we also understand that even though that the attack of the enemy comes, that tonight, right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority and dominion over every attack of the enemy. God, over every spirit, every stronghold on this city. God, we bind it right now in the name of Jesus. And we claim dominion over it. And we claim the victory over it. God, and by your help tonight, the Holy Ghost will fall in this place. And we will experience healing. And we will experience your spirit. And the miraculous will enter into the building. God, let your Shekinah glory fall in this place tonight right now in the name of Jesus would you clap your hands would you lift your voice would you raise your hands God's about to enter into the building and when he does the miraculous is going to happen and the Holy Ghost is going to take over thank you for it Jesus hallelujah and somebody said in Jesus name John 14 14 if you have your Bibles if Sister Shauna could throw it up on the screen for me. I'm going to wait just a moment. John 14, 14. If you don't have your Bibles, the screen behind me should say it. Would you read it aloud with me? If ye shall ask some things, if ye shall ask the small things, if ye shall ask anything in my in the name of, I will sometimes. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I'd like to speak to you for a few moments on apostolic demonstration. Apostolic demonstration. One more time, would you lift your hands and would you begin to call on the name of the Lord right now? We worship you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah to your name, oh God. Blessed is your matchless holy name, Jesus. We worship you and we adore you and we lift you up in this place, God. Lord, we expect the miraculous to happen in this place. Hallelujah and hallelujah and hallelujah. Somebody look at your neighbor and say apostolic demonstration. You may be seated. Thank you, Sister Cheryl. A church with apostolic doctrine, but no apostolic demonstration is not apostolic. However, a church with apostolic demonstration and no apostolic doctrine is not apostolic. So many times we use that word apostolic so freely, but rarely do we recognize and realize the heaviness of the term. In order for a church to be apostolic, it must not only have apostolic doctrine, but it must have apostolic demonstration. I came to tell you tonight that either we are apostolic or we are not. There's no gray area. We live in a day and in a generation where the gray area seems to become larger and larger and larger. It's, well, I'm kind of apostolic, or, well, I'm sort of apostolic, or, well, maybe God can do it, or, well, maybe he can't. But I came to tell you tonight that apostolic demonstration is the key. Apostolic doctrine is the key. And it's time that this church unlocks both demonstration and doctrine and understand the fullness of God and just what he's called this church to do. God called his church not to dwell in the world, but to come out from among it. We are in this world, but we are not of it. There must be lines of distinction in between the church and in between the world. It's when the lines get blurred, when the gray area grows, that we can't even know who, who is apostolic and who is not. I wish somebody would hear me in this place. It's the gray area that distracts us. It's the gray area that comes against us. It's the, well, it could be sin, but I don't really think it is. Or, well, it might be the voice of God, but uh, I'm not really sure. No, sir, no, ma'am. We need lines of distinction in the apostolic church. The scripture says, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Because no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and the world. It just doesn't work that way. Because God has called his people and he has called his church to step out from among the world. To step out from sin, to step out from distraction, and to serve the Almighty God. Would you clap your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's time that the church gets real. It's time that the church takes down all walls, takes down all barriers, and decides to get real, not only with the church and its entity, but, the, but each and every one of us and ourselves. We must understand and we must evaluate ourselves, not only so that we can understand that we are imperfect, but so that we can understand and that we can ask God so humbly before the throne of grace. Okay, apparently nobody caught what I said.
so that we can go boldly before the throne of grace, so that we can go boldly before his throne and ask anything of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time that the church gets real. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That is where lukewarm gets you with God. Very few times do we see scriptures that say something such as that. But I do believe that if God himself would speak and say that if you're not hot and you're not cold, I, I, I won't even deal with you. I won't even talk to you. I'm not even going to try to get you to be hot. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. The church must serve God. And not only must we serve God, but we must know who he is. We must know who we serve because there is no God like Jehovah God. There's no God like Jehovah Nisi. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is nobody like our God. I came to tell somebody tonight that the church cannot live in sin any longer. The scripture says that he has broke your yoke and tore off your bonds. He has literally unlocked the chains that have had you bound. So the question tonight is not whether your chains are unlocked. It's whether you're willing to take them off yourself. Surely we cannot unlock the chains of bondage on our own. Only God can do that. Only the Lord can do that. But let me tell you something. All he'll do is unlock it. He's not going to take it off for you. The only way that you can step out of sin is for you to step out of sin. Someone's got to shake off those chains that have had you weighted down. Somebody needs to shake off the chains that you think that you're bound by by the enemy. Somebody in here tonight might think, well, I've got my chains and they've got me bound, but it's just an attack of the enemy. I'm sorry to tell you tonight that sometimes it's not an attack of the enemy. Sometimes it's an attack of yourself. It's tight. We must be saying something right. Nine times out of ten, I would venture to say, and I don't have any scripture for that because I highly doubt it says anything like that. But in my own study, I, I, I would venture to say that the only way that sin can have you bound is if you allow it to. The only way that sin can overtake your life is if you allow it to stay there and not deal with the issue. Time after time after time after time again, we see people that deal with sin. They deal with it, and they say, well, it's, it's simply just a season in my life. Or they say, well, I'm just kind of in a rough spot right now, but hey, you know, it, it's, it's, it's no big deal. Or sometimes we even get comfortable sitting right where we're at. Comfort. Mm, comfort. Comfort. When you get comfortable in your sin, when the chain becomes comfortable around your neck, when the chain becomes comfortable because it, 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 it weights you down just enough where you don't have to deal with it, but you learn how to walk with the, walk with the chain. You learn how to get up every day and say, well, I've got my chain. I've got my chain, but I don't have to deal with it. Why is that? That's because instead of learning how to deal with sin, Many times the church learns how to live with sin. 
Living with sin will do exactly this. It will tear down apostolic doctrine, and it will tear down apostolic demonstration. So unfortunately, I'm sorry to say tonight that if you're okay with both of those, please do not call yourself apostolic. I didn't expect anybody to clap on that one. That's okay. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We see time and time again, just in our simple lives, that there are so many homes, so many households who don't even understand what it is that's attacking their family. And every time an attack of the enemy comes, it's simply shrugged off as a, well, you know, that's just life. Every time something grabs a hold of them and wraps itself around their neck, every time some form of sin gets into the church, every time immorality gets into a youth group, every time hatred gets into a family, it's simply just life because we refuse in our own selves to shake off the chains of we refuse to shake off those chains of bondage. I wish that some parent in here might stand up and just simply declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's time that families take a stand in the church. It's time that parents take a stand in the church. It's time that grandparents take a stand. Young people take a stand. Because we have to we have to understand that without being apostolic, in no way can we possibly fulfill what the Lord has called us to. If we, if we refuse to step into demonstration, how then can we be saved? Because if he that knows what to do and does it not, to him it is sin. So really what ends up happening is, so many times we live in sin because we don't categorize it, because of the gray area, because, well, just because it's right, uh, I, that, that, that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Just because I, 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 I shouldn't go here or, or I shouldn't say these things or, or I shouldn't act this way, I know it's not right, but, you know, I think it'll be okay. That's the gray area. That's where so many live. What happened to the day when you could live in black and in white? When right was right and wrong was wrong. Somebody needs to decide that they're going to serve the Lord in this place tonight. Somebody needs to decide that no longer will sin have you bound. No longer will depression have you bound. No longer will sickness and disease have you bound. No longer will spiritual darkness have you bound. But we decide to stand up and be apostolic in the house of the Lord. But it's not enough to be apostolic in his house. You've got to decide to be apostolic in your house. It's not enough just to simply be apostolic in your spiritual life, but you've got to be apostolic every day of your life. You've got to be apostolic no matter where you go or who you're with or what you do. We must be apostolic. Somebody needs to declare to the enemy tonight that they will be apostolic. Clap your hands to the Lord. We must have a demonstration of the apostolic experience. This nation must have a demonstration of the apostolic experience. 
Acts, the second chapter, starting with with, uh, verse number one says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. And in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. We need a demonstration of the apostolic experience. But see, that chapter didn't stop there because as soon as that happened, people decided, what are they doing? Are they, are they drunk? Are they insane? But then finally, finally, Peter stood up and said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And verse 21 says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved saved whosoever will call on the name of the lord shall be saved that is the apostolic experience that is the demonstration of apostolic experience so then in between them dialogue happens and then finally somebody gets pricked in their hearts and they says what what is it that we shall do and then in verse 38 peter once again stands up and says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost but see that doesn't all just happen at one time because before we can ever get to the infilling of the Holy Ghost we have to learn how to repent and before we can learn to repent we have to understand that we're wrong we have to understand that there's something inside of us that needs fixed and only then can we repent you can't repent if you're not sorry for what you've done But when you do repent, you must get real with yourself. You must get real with God. And when you say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done, it's not just so simply you can go free. It's so that God will reach down into your life and take out what's there and pull it out so that you can live in the fullness of God. But then only after doing that could you possibly be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, many times when we say that, People will quote the scripture that says, and be baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If Yahweh of, if Yahweh of the Old Testament is Yeshua of the New Testament, I wish somebody in here understood what I was saying. In the Old Testament, they didn't know the name of God. They were simply even afraid to say the name of God. So they called him Yahweh because the name of God had not yet been revealed. But in the New Testament, the revelation of the name of God was finally revealed. And his name was Yeshua or God has become our Savior. And the way that you spell Yeshua today is J-E-S-U-S. Jesus multiple times says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. No man cometh true cometh to the Father but through me. Jesus is God manifest in flesh. Come to earth to die for us and to save us of our sins. 
And only when we realize that can we truly be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and understand the step that it is that we take. But then once you repent and then once you are baptized, then the Holy Ghost moves in on you. The Holy Ghost, some people might feel it starting about right here. And then suddenly, suddenly, (laughs) suddenly, Something fills your mouth that you don't understand. Suddenly something starts to take control of your tongue that you might not feel. And then when you decide to let go of whatever it is that's building up inside of you, then you will receive the Holy Ghost through the evidence, the initial sign of speaking in tongues. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we believe. This is who we are. There's only one way, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, and it's only through this way that the church can live in the demonstration of Almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. We must have a demonstration of apostolic culture. We have to know who we are, but not just who we are, what we have. We have to understand that the very spirit that's inside of us is that same spirit that was in the book of Acts. It's the same spirit that when Jesus ascended, that descended on the earth, and that same spirit lives today, and that same spirit is for you, and it is for me, and that spirit is the Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost that the apostles had. And it's the same Holy Ghost that we have today. Maybe if we understood just what it is that we have, maybe we could live in the fullness of the demonstration that God intends for his church to live in. Many times we look at demonstration as a thing of the past. Many times we look at this apostolic culture as a thing of the past, and we don't even understand just what it is. In Acts, the third chapter, a lame man was healed at the gate beautiful. In Acts, the fourth chapter, Peter speaks, and the Lord returns and speaks to him in an earthquake. In Acts, the fifth chapter, prison doors were open. In Acts, the sixth chapter, Stephen wrought great wonders inside. In Acts the 8th chapter, again, miracles, signs, and wonders followed. In Acts the 9th chapter, Peter raised up a dead man. In Acts the 10th chapter, Jesus, Cornelius sees an angel. In Acts the 12th chapter, another prison gate is open. Do I need to keep going? Obviously, I do. In Acts, the 13th chapter, blinded eyes are open. In Acts, the 16th chapter, a demon was cast out of a person. This is our heritage. This is what you have living inside of you. This is who we are. Someone in here is probably thinking, well, that was then and this is right now. But it is written that greater things than this shall ye do in the name of Jesus. Jesus, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time to step into the promises of God. 
We have to have demonstration of apostolic power and authority. For too long, the children of God have lived below God's intended level of power and authority. For too long, the spirits of doubt and unbelief have had a hold on our lives and had a hold of the church. The spirit of cynicism has ran rampant. Sickness and death have wrapped itself around us and begin to squeeze the very life out of us just like a python would. Spiritual darkness and demons have attacked our minds and tried to make us believe that even God himself could not help us. That's an attack of the enemy. That's the voice of the enemy. So every time you begin to hear that voice, every time you begin to feel that snake wrapping itself around you, every time you begin to feel the weight of change, we must understand that that's simply the voice of the enemy. But greater is he that is in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody begin to entertain the spirit. Somebody begin to entertain his glory right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, just for another minute, just begin to lift your hands. Just begin to lift your hands right now. Holy Ghost, fall in this place. God, let us entertain your presence. Let us entertain your Shekinah glory in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, if you haven't jumped on yet, it's not too late. Come with us. Come with us. The church doesn't wait. you got to come with us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The enemy attacks in ways that we sometimes don't recognize. The enemy attacks in such a powerful way that sometimes we just simply think it's life. And sometimes dare we think that it's even the judgment of God. In 2 Kings, the 18th chapter, we read about King Hezekiah and the king of Assyria. During 2 Kings, the 18th chapter, the king of Assyria was going throughout all of the lands and taking kingdoms and bringing them down. But finally, he came to the greatest king of all, King Hezekiah. And so the great king of Assyria decides that he is going to form together a plan on how to overthrow King Hezekiah's kingdom. He is going to come up with some way that without a fight, that without a shot fired, without a sword drawn, that he is going to just take, take the kingdom. Isn't that just like the enemy in our lives? All he has to do is begin to get in our head. All he has to do is begin to get in our home. All he has to do is just show up at the gate, and then all of a sudden we forget just what it is that we have living inside of us. So the king of Assyria seeks out this man, this man called Rebshakeh. Rebshakeh was simply a servant in the kingdom. But see, the king of Assyria had heard of this man, Rebshakeh, and he knew that not only could he speak the Assyrian's language, but he could also speak the language of King Hezekiah's people. And so he devised a plan that Rebshakeh and the king's army would go just outside of King Hezekiah's kingdom, and they would camp out that night, just like the enemy sometimes decides that he's going to camp just outside of your home. 
Sometimes just like he decides that he's going to camp just outside of the church. And in the morning when the king's men saw that the king of Assyria and Rebshika were all camped just outside of their gate, then the king's men went outside to go meet them. And the king of Assyria's men and Rebshika went to where they were at, and they began to speak. And the first thing out of Rebshika's mouth is simply this. The king of Assyria has taken down this kingdom, and he's taken down that kingdom and you know you really shouldn't trust your king you really shouldn't trust your God you really shouldn't trust your pastor you really shouldn't trust your church and so constantly he begins just to speak in their ears and begins to fill their minds with thoughts and saying where were their gods their gods didn't show up and the same will be with you and the same will be with your God he won't show up you will be overthrown and the victory has already been won so what you might want to do is you might just want to decide that you're just going to turn belly up. You might just want to decide that you're not going to fight. You might just want to decide that you just simply want to give up. And so the king, Hezekiah's um, people, they, they, they begin to speak to him. And they said, Repchika, speak not in our language, for we understand yours. Don't, don't, don't speak in our language, Repchika. Don't come to where we're at, Repchika, because our people, they're, they're, their ears are to the wall, and they'll understand what you're saying. They'll understand everything that's going on. They'll understand the attack of the enemy. Isn't that just how the enemy works? He gets just outside of the gate and he begins to speak your language because he knows how you operate and he knows how you think and he knows how you live. So he just simply begins to speak your language and he begins to fill your thoughts that you will not win. He begins to fill your thoughts that the enemy will be victorious and that the kingdom will be overthrown or that the church is going down or that your daughter won't make it or that your husband or your wife or your son won't make it but then finally finally the king's men look at Repshika and they say don't speak to us in our language because the people their very ears are to the wall and they'll hear what you're saying so then just at that moment Repshika leans his head back and he stands up and with the loudest voice he could possibly come up uh, that he could possibly come up with. He begins to yell in the Hebrew tongue. Your God will not save you. Your kingdom will fall. Trust not your king, for the great king of Assyria will overthrow you. And then the king of Assyria's men in Repshika turned around, and they went back to the camp. And then the king's men went back to King Hezekiah, and they told him, King Hezekiah, you have to know what's happening right now. The king of Assyria and this man that we've never seen named Repshika, they came to us and they said this and they said that and then they said the other so then King Hezekiah became very distraught and he began to worry and he began to say how then will we be victorious so then all of a sudden King Hezekiah decides to stand up from where he's at and go into the temple and get down on his face and begin to seek God and then God speaks to him in that moment and says Hezekiah don't worry for I'll send a great rumor forth and they're going to stop what they're doing so just like God said he would. God had this great rumor that went forth into the camp of Assyria, and it made its way to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria knew and understood that this was the God of the Hebrew people. This was the God of Hezekiah and the God of Hezekiah's kingdom that had sent this great rumor. And so what did he do? He became very, very angry, and then he decided to write a letter. That doesn't ever happen in the church. He decides to write a letter 
and to go through and list every kingdom that he had taken over, every nation that had ever fallen, and hand delivered it right to the king of right to King Hezekiah's door. And so when King Hezekiah awoke the next day, he found this letter at his doorstep and he opened it up and he took it into his home and it went through and it listed down every other every other kingdom that had been taken down that was not listed by Rebshakeh. And then I'm sure that he would have most likely wrote something at the end like, and the same will be with you, and the same will be with your God, and the same will be with your kingdom. So once again, Hezekiah began to worry. The people of God began to worry about what's going to happen, about what the enemy is going to do, about what the enemy is going to say, about the enemy coming into their church and coming in to their home and coming in to the kingdom and coming in to their family. And so he begins to worry. And then once again, he finds himself in the temple and he prays and he says, now God, I know I've already been here and God, I know you said that you would answer, but God, it's not enough. I'm going to need you to do something else. And then God became angry with the king of Assyria. And he spoke once again to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, worry not because I am going to take care of it. Many times when the Lord speaks and says that he's going to take care of it, we, we, we want to know just what exactly he means by that. So God spoke to King Hezekiah and said, I, I, I will take care of it. Don't you worry because now you're placing it in my hands. And so that night in the camp of the Assyrians, the angel of the Lord came down and slew 1,500 Assyrian warriors. And then Repshakeh was also killed. And then the king of Assyria fled to his home because he thought, well, that's fine. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to leave because I'm going to get away with everything that I've done. I'm going to get away with what I've done to God's people. And then when the king of Assyria gets to his home, he's met in the doorway of his home by his children with a sword. And his very children in the home of king Assyria slew him right there. Now, what most people don't understand is that Rebshika simply means cupbearer to the king. He's a servant. He's simply a nobody that knows how to speak your language. I wish you'd understand what I'm saying right now. Repshika is nothing but a servant that knows how to get in your head, that knows how to get in your ear, that will, give, that, that will get you to tell somebody else what's going on, that might get you to gossip against your pastor or get you to gossip against your church or that might get you upset, that might get you angry, where then all of a sudden we feel like that there's no hope. But then suddenly when you decide that you're going to turn towards God, God sends an angel down in the middle and he kills the enemy. And he becomes an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversary. No matter what the opposition is, God will demonstrate his power. There is no way that you will ever possibly stand in the way of the demonstration of the power of God. But I wish that somebody in this building would decide that they're going to step in to God's power. That, that would decide that they're going to step into the authority. That would decide that they were going to step 
step into demonstration. Because see what, if you could just open up your spiritual eyes, what you would see is that God has already shut the mouth of the lion and ripped his teeth out. God's already loosed the hold of the python and unlocked the chains for you to shake off. All is released and bound at the name of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, darkness has to flee. And at the name of Jesus, mountains will move. And at the name of Jesus, walls will fall. And at the name of Jesus, demonstration happens. Would everybody in this building stand up, please? Every hand in the building lifted. Every hand in the building lifted. In the name of Jesus, God, let your demonstration fall. Let your demonstration... Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you reach over and put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? Come on, would you begin to pray out loud like you're praying for yourself? Come on, somebody. For too long the church has lived in oppression. For too long the church has lived in depression. For too long we've underestimated the power and authority and the demonstration of Almighty God. But I came here to tell somebody tonight that God is about to demonstrate his power. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you need a healing, if you need something in your life, something in your body, something in your finances, would you run to the front right now? Anybody? If you need something from the Lord tonight, come to the front. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on the demonstration of God's power because His power is about to begin to flow in this place. Anybody else? Is there anybody else? Or maybe you just simply need to touch heaven tonight. Maybe you need something released in your life. Maybe you need something released in your finances. Maybe you need something released in your family. God's about to release the miraculous in this place. But only, only, only if you decide to step out from where you're at and to make the journey down to the altar. Because it's time to lay some things out on the altar tonight. That only would you lay all these things out on the altar is when the fire is going to fall from heaven. It's when the demonstration is going to begin to fall. Come on. Now, if you don't need anything, would you find somebody up here? Would you begin to lay your hands on them? We're going to let God begin to move in this place. Come on, anybody. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. Come on, I'm going to just... Anybody in the building, everybody in the building, I'm going to invite you up to the front right now and begin just to lay hands on somebody. I want you to begin just to speak the word of faith right now. So here's what we're going to do. I want every hand in the building raised. Every hand in the building raised. I'm going to speak the word of faith, and when I do, the miraculous is going to fall. The Holy Ghost and demonstration and signs following is going to fall. So this is what I want when I begin to pray. I want you to begin with the loudest voice that you can possibly muster. I want you to begin to call on the name of Jesus. I want you to begin to lift the highest praise, which is hallelujah that you can to Jesus. And then demonstration is about to fall. Do you believe it in this place? 
Come on, do you believe it in this place? God, by the authority of your word and the power that's in the name of Jesus, God, we call down the miraculous right now. God, we call down healings. God, we call down demonstration. God, we call down financial blessing. God, that anybody that's in the front right now and under the sound of my voice, or maybe you're watching online tonight, God, that right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would loose your spirit. God, it's done now. In the name of Jesus, would you begin to worship the Lord? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody reach out and touch the Lord tonight. Come on, God wants to do a work in this place. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. Come on with the loudest voice you can muster. Come on, somebody lay your hands on somebody. Begin to speak the word of faith. God's going to lose the miraculous. He's going to lose blessing. Come on, everything's done in the name of Jesus. Everything's accomplished in the name of Jesus. 